Here's an HIV pill dilemma for you. Picture the scene. There's a rooftop sunset with fairy lights and you're vibing with friends. You remember you've got to take your HIV pill. Important, yes, but the fun moment is gone. Did you know there's a long-acting treatment option available? So catch the sunset and keep the party going. Visit PillFreeHIV.com today to learn more. Brought to you by Vive Healthcare. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. Lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control your own body and get the health care everyone needs has been stolen. And now politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common sense policies that protect your right to control your own body and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, you can help reclaim your rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. Hello, ladies. Hello, hello, hello. Hi. Hello. I'm in Waterworld. <laughs> and this movie is a flop, okay? <laughs> From Wet and Wild Los Angeles, I'm Sam Sanders. I'm Saeed Jones. And I'm fellow wet person Zach Safford, and you are listening to Vibe Check. <laughs> this week, we're talking about fashion stylist Law Roach's interview with The Cut, specifically with the amazing Lindsay Peoples, and the new Amazon Prime show, Swarm, which I'm sure you have been hearing all about. We're going to get into it deep. But before that, I want to check in with my sister, specifically Sam, who's across the lake that is now called Los Angeles from me. (laughs) My spirit is broken. Oh, Let me no, tell you, not that. <laughs> this weather really affects my my mood, and it's raining again in Los Angeles. Um, I woke up to rain. I went to sleep last night to rain, and the news this morning said that we are experiencing our twelfth atmospheric river of the season. Oh, not another atmospheric river. Yes. Okay, so because y'all had it, that was like what a month or so ago. Mm-hmm. I, yeah. I thought y'all were in the clear. Damn. And it's okay. been pretty wet since Christmas, and uh-huh. there'll be little peaks of sunshine. But I am tired. I am buked. I am scorned. <laughs> Send the ark. And wait, let me let me turn to Zach with this because I feel like you know you Southern California girls. It's kind of hard to read. I'm <laughs> mm-hmm. like, okay, like is it like raining bad for y'all, or would I also be like? This is horrible. It's, you know what I mean? What's the scale? The, let me explain it to you this way. I have, I have a great view in front of me uh-huh. from my house. I live in a higher rise. And um, the rain is going sideways, yeah. oh, which doesn't okay. happen in LA. There we yeah. go. And that's not normal. And we're over it. And someone tweeted the other day something to the effect of, we sold our souls to the devil to live here with no rain. Not this I, fake look, Seattle look, simulation. What's yeah. the point? <laughs> Listen, What's the point like of being no point. in that rancid demon hole of a region? <laughs> so if it's also, I would, I would snap. Okay, that's what I wanted to know. Okay. I thought hell. Not was that I doubted you, Sam. Not. not that I doubted you, but I needed some. I needed some the context. Thing is, just to give you some context, 
I only wash my car when it's been sunny for a few days, if not longer. I haven't washed okay. my car since Christmas. Because oh. just when you think it's done, the rain comes back. Damn. Same. And what's so annoying about rain in LA is that rain is the great revealer of how toxic this place is because the rain itself has so much pollution in it. So your car isn't clean from water. It's got this weird like residue on it and things all over it because it rained. So it's just really, it's not great. It's kind of like New York and snow where snow yeah. gets dirty. Here, our rain is dirty. Okay. So and also like- This is not fun. The social fabric of Los Angeles starts to gradually melt down as it rains longer and longer. People don't go anywhere. Let me tell you, I have the best example. This weekend, a dear friend of mine was his birthday. He lives in a house, a house where we all can fit. He sent a note to everyone saying, hey, everyone, I know it's raining. Let's reschedule for next week. <laughs> we were indoor, like yes. that people will cancel indoor it. activities really because are. it's raining. You we don't really have are. the mental or physical architecture to deal sure with. Sure don't. Time. Okay. Sure well, don't. I, it clears up. I mean, don't Send get, help. look. Dreary weather, however it manifests, can actually really, you know, oh. do a number on you. Oh. So listen. I'm hoping for some blue skies for you soon. Zach, how are you? I'm doing good. I'm doing pretty good. I'm about to be back on the road again. So it's my last Where'd day you going? in LA. And I have to fly through this. I have to go to DC and New York. I'm going to a wedding, which I, I'm very okay. excited about for a dear friend. What I'm really excited about though is that I have recently taken the plunge into the chat GBT world. Oh, yeah. oh, here you go. I refuse. And I won't even like... Here you go again. <laughs> let me tell you, you guys, so it is a wild, wild guest out there. And I could talk... I could do well, a whole you sent some to us, this, right? Mm -hmm. I had... Can we pull up the poem? You had to write a poem for so me. so mad. Zach was like, oh, Chappie G. And I said, Zach, let me tell you something right here, right now. <laughs> do not send me a chat GPT version of a Saeed Jones poem. Don't think it's cute. <laughs> I don't think it's funny. I don't think it's Pisces. Whatever Whatever you're thinking, yeah. don't do it. <laughs> I had ChatGPT write a poem in the style of Nicki Minaj about Fire <laughs> Jones. So <clears throat> let me read the first uh, oh, kind no. of lines. So bad. Uh-huh. Yo, it's Nicki Minaj. And I'm here to say, let me tell you about a man who's slaying it today. He's got the skills. He's got the rhymes. He's a poet and a writer, and he's doing just fine. His name is Saeed Jones, and he's making waves. He's got a way with words that nobody can replicate. He tells the stories of the marginalized, and he does it in a way that's real and wise. Oh and then it goes on. Ugh. I like mine. Wait, let's Reed just Sam's. go ahead. Pull, uh, yes. Let's do the Sam's one real quick. For context for everyone so they know how this works, AI pulls from the internet and everything has been pre-programmed with. So because the three of us have so much work on the internet, it's able to harness our written words and recreate our voices, kind of. So here is Sam Sanders giving you ChatGPT, Sam Sanders. Yes. A poem in the voice of Sam Sanders from ChatGPT. I am Sam Sanders and I've got a story to tell. A tale of life's ups and downs and how I've learned to excel. Born in the South with a heart full of soul, I chase my dreams and never let go. My, my voice is my power. My words are my might. I use them to fight for what's good and what's right. From politics to culture, I've got it all covered. My passion for storytelling has never been smothered. <laughs> I don't get migraines, but I feel like oh. AI might give me one. I just—it's it's just gold. It's, it's kind of the worst version of yourself. It's so like, bad. It's never like, been it's the most basic. But I've never been. It's so like bad. you some pork chops Literally. or something. So anyway, that's where I've been hiding at night—is in the ChatGPT land, just playing around. You don't feel like it's going to be the end of the world. 
Oh, girl, yeah, I'm on the side of that. I think the data is 50% of people working on AI think that there is a 10% chance it will end the world. Uh-huh. And listen, climate change is already at the breaking point already. <laughs> we just got that report this week. Like, girl, it's over. Yeah. Let's just have I mean, a, my have thing a about Because, you know, those poems are poems. They're so bad. They're so bad. <laughs> But it's learning. I mean, that's the entire point yeah. of this yeah. is that it's it's machine learning. And I'm assuming it's like, let's try this again in a few months and maybe it's mm-hmm. better, however you want to define that. It's pretty eerie. Anyway, while I'm over here playing with the end of the world site, how are you doing in Columbus, Ohio? <laughs> I am doing cute. And let me tell you why. I realize I am going to savor every opportunity I can find for a reset. Okay. This Monday was the first day of spring, which also happens to be the Persian New Year. Mm. And it was, you know, lovely to celebrate like Persian New New Year and send cute texts to my boyfriend. But also I realized, you know, I love (laughs) New Year's Eve, New Year's Day as an opportunity to reflect and celebrate and all that. And I also love the Lunar New Year, which comes like a month or so later when it's like, you know what? Actually, you know, let's try that one more time. And then here we are Mm -hmm. in March with a third opportunity. I don't know. I like the idea of embracing these holidays as an opportunity to go, nope, you can get it right again this time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and so what I tried to do yesterday to celebrate, unfortunately, the weather here was cooperating. I try to have a simple but perfect day, huh. um, you know, to kind of try to set the tone for my new, new, new year. And uh, it was really nice. I feel good. Give me a little tidbit into your simple, perfect day. What's one thing that's a part of that day? One thing is I go to my neighborhood bookstore here in Columbus, buy a book that I wasn't looking for, Mm. and then I like to go to either a nearby bar or, like, cafe and sit and read it for a while. Just just kind of... It almost feels like stepping out of time, stepping out of my schedule for a moment Mm -hmm. and just kind of having that. And it was lovely. I got a book. It's going to be my recommendation. But, yeah, I just love that. There's nothing better than, like, just in the moment. This is so romantic. I love it. I love it. So I... I did that to kick off my my Persian New Year in the hopes that that's kind of setting the tone for the rest of the year. I love it. Well, before we get into this week's episode, we want to thank all of you who have sent us fan mail and reached out to us on social media. We love hearing from you all, so keep it coming at vibecheckatsitcher.com. And as always, keep tweeting us. It's very, very fun to see the tweets. So with that being said, is it time for us to jump in here? It is, but before we do that, I just found a leak in this garage from this goddamn (gasps) rain. Oh, I'm about no. to fight somebody. Damn, the rain is Home really ownership. for you. So last week, famed fashion stylist Law Roach, known for his work with celebrities like Zendaya, Anya Taylor-Joy, Anne Hathaway, Kerry Washington, among many, many others. And when I say known for his work, I think Zendaya, who he's been working with for over a decade now, is an excellent example where it's like, it's not just address. It's a moment. I, I, I think about this a lot. Um, I remember when the fashion designer Alexander McQueen died, and I was with a friend, and I was devastated. And a friend of mine who was a poet, so maybe I, I expected them to come at it with a different kind of empathy, but I remember my friend just had no sympathy. He was like, why do you care about this? It's just... It's just dresses. It's just dresses, he said. Wow. I was like, it's not just dresses. Style is about art, is about creativity, it's about beauty. I think it's it's wearable art. Yeah. And I think 
Law Roach's collaborations, especially with someone like Zendaya, where he's been working with her really for the bulk of her career, you know, this last decade, it's really important, right? It creates an occasion and it lights something up. And more importantly, it brings joy. I love seeing Mm -hmm. the way when Zendaya steps on the red carpet and she hits that pose. Yes, she looks good. Yes, she looks fabulous. But to see the celebration that answers Mm -hmm. it, it's a a delight. Is that fair? And it's also, and it's storytelling. I mean, Mm. fashion is storytelling and Zendaya and Law Roach's collaboration was about her breaking free of the Disney storyline of her life and becoming herself more powerful. And that's what fashion can do for all of us. It can help you own the story you're telling about yourself. And it's part of these people's careers. Like Zendaya is not the Zendaya that we know on Euphoria without fashion taking her to that next level. And so like you think it's not tied to the work. It's it's tied to the work. It is part of their whole persona, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, with all this in mind, I mean, you know, Law Roach, peak of his career, just getting going. He's only in his early 40s, you know, running on all cylinders right after the Oscars, which obviously is a major fashion event. And ahead of the upcoming Met Gala, which we will be discussing in May, Law Roach took to Instagram and, surprise, announced a retirement. Yeah. Whoa! And, like, announced it very cryptically. What did yeah. Law say? It was like, I'm tired of the games or whatever. Bye. I'm tired of the games. Yep. My my cup is basically dry. I'm depleted. Yeah. And it happened, I mean, for context to the, the announcement, it was right after the Oscars, mm-hmm. which is like kind of the pinnacle of when you're styling A-listers, which is where his gripe is kind of landed is, you know, I've had access to style the biggest stars after the Vanity Fair Oscar party. I'm done. The industry has really shaken me too much and I got to get out of here. Right. And so, you know, we're into fashion, but also I think we're really into opportunities to think about power, to think about transformation, and also just to think about, you know, what it means to navigate a career. And Law is, you know, a really interesting cultural figure to talk about all of these things. Yeah. I think we'll get to this soon, but like what I like in this whole story is that eventually Law Roach said everything. He talked about the inner workings of this industry and you really rarely hear how fashion truly works. He went there and it was very revealing. Yeah, absolutely. So we were furiously texting each other back and forth, kind of speculating, trying to wonder. TikTok has been ablaze with trying to figure out what's going on. But thankfully, Law sat down with the editor-in-chief of The Cut magazine for a really far-reaching, introspective, candid conversation about his retirement, how he got there, what he thinks, maybe, you know, what comes next. And I think it became clear for the three of us that, well, one, this isn't just a fashion story, as I said, Mm -hmm. you know, that this is very much about race, gender, the relationship, I would argue, between gay men, gay Black men in particular, and white women Mm -hmm. in creative industries, in this Mm -hmm. case, fashion and, and the realm of celebrity. It's about burnout. It's about mental health. It's even about suffering. And wow, that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to get to. But I figured it was worth our time, right? It's definitely yeah. worth our time. 100%. I started reading this thing and I was like, all right, of the three of us, I know fashion the least. And so okay. I opened the article not uh-huh. thinking that I would really relate to all of the things that were in this piece. Mm-hmm. But all of it hit for me. He went in depth on things that affect 
people working in all kinds of industries about power yeah. and struggle and suffering. There was one quote, Saeed, that we both have talked about from this interview. Right. And I wanted us to start there. because, and, and I love that you pointed out, you know, I'm not really into the fashion. I don't know all the insider, da-da-da-da. That's not the conversation we're about to have, y'all. Exactly. If you want to read the full interview, please do. But instead, I love that you were like, no, we were connecting to it just as people. It's just people. Yeah. And so the three of us identified some different quotes or moments in the interview, because it's pretty extensive, um, that lit mm-hmm. up ideas, memories, resonances for the three of us. And Sam, I was I was looking at the notes and I saw you highlighted something early in the interview about suffering and success that, that spoke to me as well. So do you want to start there? Yeah. So Law is talking to Lindsay Peoples and he says, quote, I think as black people in this country, it's embedded in us to suffer, right? We feel like to be successful, we have to suffer. You suffer through things to get to the other side. You suffer through earth to get to heaven. I think that's just in our DNA as African-Americans. And I've been suffering for years and I woke up and I made that post because I felt like I couldn't breathe and me releasing that and I took a deep breath. That was really powerful to me. And that's something that I think a lot of people have felt in the last few years. Our jobs have felt like too much. Our careers have felt like too much. And we're suffering and it's hard, but we think it's supposed to be like that. And Law saying to the fashion world, I'm taking a breath. I'm stopping. That's a thing all kinds of people have been doing the last few years across all industries. Mm -hmm. So it just really hit for me. It really hit for me, especially as Black people. Yeah, I re-listened this morning. Because that's right. We should say to people, you can read the interview, but it's also like a... They you can watch it. So yeah. you can watch it yeah. as well. You can watch mm-hmm. it. You can listen to a podcast. So I was listening to the podcast version. I watched the tape and I listened to the podcast as I was going to my car to get things. And I was walking in the rain, which felt very kind of <laughs> going symbolic. Through it, yeah. <laughs> going through it. And this moment of him talking about suffering just took me back to so many moments in my life where I thought... You know, I have to work on my birthday when I specifically said I'm not working because, you know, if I don't say yes to this opportunity, mm-hmm. then I will never have another. Or I have to go do this story that is really hurtful for me or knock on this door that is a member of the KKK, which I've had to do before because I have to prove myself as a Black person in media. And I think all of us could probably point to moments in our lives where we stretch ourselves so thin or put ourselves in danger and put ourselves in real pain just to show that we are worthy of a job, of an opportunity. And it's a kind of shocking when you hear Law talk about it and you think about it in your own life of the fact that a lot of people, especially who aren't Black, don't ever have to do that. Right. Like They don't have to go through that pain yeah. to get what they got. And that's really shocking when you realize that. It's really heartbreaking too. And Law's going through that. I guess this is a a version of W.E.B. Du Bois as well as parallel to his idea of double consciousness. It's a little mm-hmm. different in that unlike white people who are striving and working, because, you know, we're, we all work, we all struggle. I do think Black people, Black people in this country in particular, we have this sense of not only are we supposed to work hard, but the work, it's supposed to be about something bigger than us, mm-hmm. you know? So yeah. I'm not just a writer. I'm not just having my own breakthroughs as Saeed Jones, an individual. On some level, at all times, I'm aware that I'm getting opportunities, that my predecessors, that my Black queer elders, for example, who didn't survive the 1980s, 1990s, like I'm quickly passing, for example, the age at which Essex Hemphill, for example, died, Mm. you know? And so it's Mm -hmm. like, what does it mean as you're doing that work and you're striving that you're also kind of thinking of the bigger picture, which, yes, can be inspiring, and I'm grateful for this sense of 
awareness that we are connected to one another. My win is also Zach and Sam's win. However, when the work is exhausting you, when it's taking more than it's giving, when your cup is empty, as Law says, it's something else. Well, and then what Law pointed out in this interview with The Cut, it's this double pressure you feel as a Black person in a creative field, as a Black person in a mostly white space. You have the burden of just being Black, and you feel like you want to accomplish on behalf of Black people. And then you have these industries and these gatekeepers saying to you, well, you should be grateful to be here. Just you being here is enough. So he also says in this interview, he said that the industry would basically tell him in so many words, you should be grateful because you get to dress the white girl. And then he Mm -hmm. says back, Mm -hmm. I'm supposed to be grateful? No, she should be grateful to me because I'm changing her life. But that is a thing that I've heard over the course of my career. Mm -hmm. Really nice, dulcet tones telling me to be grateful for the chance to do X, Y, Z. That stuff gets to you over time. And I know you have both heard it too. Oh my God. Yes. This conversation and this topic, I think why it really struck a chord with us is that it kind of ties back to our own kind of history of the show and that we began to do radio or audio together because Andre Leon Talley passed away. And Andre Leon Talley was a fashion editor at Vogue. He worked under Anna Wintour. He was the highest ranking person in fashion that is Black. Now these days, it is Edward Enningful at British Folk, Lindsay Peoples-Wagner at The Cut, and Law Roach. I would say those are kind of Mm -hmm. like the royals of fashion. Mm -hmm. And I would add Naomi Campbell as the model. And Naomi Campbell, yes, Naomi Campbell as a model. So model, stylist, editors. And... You know, they've all slowly come out and just talked about all the like severe racism and severe issues of being the only one. And when we all got together and talked about it, talked about Andre's life and what it felt like for us, you know, that went kind of viral and it led to Vibe Check happening. And I just think that it's because, you know, I've had moments in my life when I became the editor-in-chief of The Advocate, it was the first time a Black person had ever run a queer magazine at that level, which is wild because when the news broke, people were just so overwhelmed with praise. Mm -hmm. But I was overwhelmed with sadness Mm. because... These magazines had existed for over 50 years, and yet no one of color had run them. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the isolation that Law is getting here, is that you have this moments where you reach the top. You're the Beyonce of styling, like which he is. And everyone's telling you to keep being grateful, keep fighting harder. And you're like, wait, these other girls don't have to even think about this. They Mm -hmm. get to just be famous. They just get to be Julia Roberts. They just get to be... You know, Nicole Kidman, and we have to be our histories, our ancestors, the people that didn't get here. And it just is, it's a lot and it breaks you. And it's hard to sustain after a while. Yeah. Relatedly, I wanted to highlight something else Law said because it's race, it's gender, it's also class. Uh, Law grew up in Chicago, the oldest of several siblings. He said that his mom, when he was, I think, 13 or 14, took the other kids and just abandoned him. Mm-hmm. He said, you're, on said your you're just going to have to learn how to figure out on your own. He had you to know? steal food and, and to he, make it, right? Exactly. Yeah. And he did. And that left to kind of thrifting and vintage clothes. And then, you know, it took him to the world of styling. So he's he's truly made himself. And he said something about nepotism that unexpectedly hit me hard. Um, he said, I kept using everything I learned on the streets to figure it out. But nepotism, especially on the Hollywood side, it's so strong because these white female stylists they grew up with these white publicists and agents, and they went to summer camp. And you know what I mean? It's this network I was able to penetrate. And so, yes, this is obviously about race and and, and whiteness, but it occurred to me that in the striving, what resonated with me, it's hard to even say, I realize I'm like hesitating. It makes me sad, but I 
There's a moment when you've succeeded, and I, I really identify as like, you know, working class kid, state schools, you know, single mom, and I've made it into some really incredible spaces and earned my keep. Yes. You know, I, oh, I, yes. I do not feel like an imposter. But yeah. I, I've had moments when I've been shaken. When I've realized is that the people who are now my peers have all known each other much longer. Oh, yeah. Or yeah. like I'm surrounded by like Ivy League people or, you know what I mean? People have like these, these different, and part of it's class, part of it's, it's networks and everything where I'm just, and it's not necessarily just white people, you know what I mean? Where I'm just like that moment where you feel like this is a little dramatic, but it's almost like you're like, oh shit, I'm swimming with the sharks. Like just oh, yeah. that mm-hmm. sense of, Oh gosh. And and later at one point in the interview, he says, like, I just realized I felt like no one was protecting me. Mm-hmm. And I think that is one of the issues of class mobility that we don't talk about. And I think Zach, you even said it yesterday, like Andre DeShields is like, you climb a mountain yeah. and your reward at the top mountain. is that there's another mountain. Yeah, that to make it to transition, you know, the American dream, what we don't talk about is what it means to then make it to that next space is that mm-hmm. you're by yourself. Yes. Well, and then just hearing you talk about how if you don't come from privilege, you walk into these systems that are already well-established and these networks that are Mm -hmm. already well-established. And what Law points out in this interview is that if you are allowed access to those systems and networks, you can never critique the system, right? And so in the interview, he talks about how he's doing some work for some fashion house and they just don't give him credit and they don't pay him. And the expectation is, well, you should be honored to have been a part of this network, to be a part of this elite club. And he calls it out publicly, and he's the villain, but it's like, who's the villain here? Him for saying this thing was bad or these systems for doing this effed up stuff? And so what I found so remarkable was that he spoke with such candor about that kind of inequity, about that kind of privileged network that is corrupt because it can be, this mm-hmm. happens in every sector. It happens in finance and education in politics and government. And a lot of times we don't feel like we can speak on it because we want to rise through these systems, right? Mm-hmm. So to see him speak to that, it's really, really brave. You know, he's yeah. confident that there's something else for him and that he's going to keep working. But just being this candid period, I want to salute law and say right. that was very brave. Yeah, absolutely, Sam. And thank you, Zach, for reminding us of Andre Leon Talley. What a privilege for the three of us to be able to think through and learn alongside someone like Law Roach while he's still with us. He's still Mm -hmm. alive. He's still vibrant and in absolute control of his talents and his gifts. And I have gotten too used to talking about talented black queer people in past tense. Oh yeah. And so I'm yeah, I'm I'm honored both of the bravery and the candor of his interview, but also just like grateful that we're getting to the point that we can see people kind of mid-career as black queer, you know, culture makers kind of making these important often life-saving decisions for themselves. Oh yeah, like I just imagine gosh, what if Andre Leon Talley would have been able to have this moment? 10, 15 Mm -hmm. years ago. You know, we really never saw him be able to get free. He talked up until his death how he had no friends, he had no love, Mm -hmm. his life was just the work. And La Roche was saying the same things in this conversation, but I'm so happy Mm -hmm. he's saying, at this point, I'm breaking free. Good for him. Yeah. And something he did say in that interview that really struck me to connect to Sam's point is he said, I don't have a boyfriend. I don't have a dog. I just have my job. I just do this work. And he's taking a moment to kind of figure out how to live. 
And that's all we as you know, the host of Vibe Check want you all to do every week is to learn to live outside of this identity that is your work, that is your pain, that is your trauma. Like, how do you find a life yes. in all of this mess that's called the world? And when you see someone like Laura, who has everything stacked against him, like his trauma should have him locked in the shop forever. Like this man didn't eat for a long time, but he's saying, no, I think there's something bigger out there. I think all of us can be inspired yes. by that moment because there's something bigger for all of you. And you it's can for everybody. somewhere else, yeah. do something else. Your job is not your life. Your life is yeah. your life. Your job is a transaction. That's Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Well, I I salute you, Law Roach. I think all three of us do, and and we're ex- grateful that you're taking care of yourself. You know, to think of the the big picture is that we we do also learn from each other. We do also watch each other and go. You know what? It it really means a lot to see someone like Law Roach say, "I uh-uh, I ain't going out like that." There you go. <laughs> Y'all ain't gonna do me. Yes. You know. And then the three of us go, "Oh, wait a minute. Like, He's what right. can I <laughs> what can I learn from this?" Yes, yeah. he is right. Yeah. All right. Yeah, that's powerful. Well, Well, it's time for us to take a quick break. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. We're going to talk about Swarm. Oh, man. (laughs) Buzz, buzz. NetCredit is here to say yes to a personal loan or line of credit when other lenders say no. Apply in minutes and get a decision as soon as the same day. If approved, applications are typically funded the next business day or sooner. Loans offered by NetCredit or lending partner banks and serviced by NetCredit. Application subject to review and approval. Learn more at netcredit.com slash partner. NetCredit. Credit to the people. Hey there, Zach Stafford, co-host of Vibe Check. And something I heard really early on in my career was this phrase that has never left me. It is, you can't be what you can't see. And for me, that is so true. All of the black people I got to grow up and watch on television, be journalists, and so much more are the foundation to why I continue to have a media career. And that's the case for so, so many people. And if you're looking for the next generation of influential black voices in media, you can find all of them on NPR's new collection, Black Stories, Black Truths. In the Black Stories, Black Truths collection, you'll hear stories of joy, resilience, empowerment, and creating world-shifting things out of struggle. Every episode is a living account about what it means to be Black today, told from a unique Black perspective. From Bobby Shmurda to The Wire, Michelle Obama to reparations, there's no limit to the range of Black stories, Black truths. Black perspectives haven't always been centered in the telling of America's story. Now they are. In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, you'll find a collection of some of NPR's best podcast episodes celebrating the Black experience. It's NPR Noir. Listen now to Black Stories, Black Truths from NPR, wherever you get your podcasts. We are back. You're listening to Vibe Check, and I'm going to try to keep my sanity because, as you heard earlier, (laughs) there's a leak in my garage where I record, and I hear it. And Lord help, we're going to get through. We're going to get through. It is time to talk about another thing that's haunting me, a new TV show out on Amazon Prime Video that has taken over my life personally, professionally. I cannot stop thinking and talking about this show at home, at work. You called me last night. I sure did. The three of us are constantly texting. Yeah. And then I, you know, I finished watching the show. I texted some thoughts and I was like doing something with Caesar. And then I was like, is my phone ring? Very millennial. I was like, is my phone? 
phone ringing? I texted me. He said, I'm t- and calling you, and I was shocked. I was I like, was girl, like, I don't call nobody. Sam was like, we got to talk about the finale. Yes. <laughs> this show, if you haven't figured it out yet, it's called Swarm. Donald Glover had the idea for it. Janine Neighbors is the showrunner and head writer. I've interviewed her from my other job over at Vulture. Check out the podcast into it for our chat. But this is the first serial killer show that I've liked. Hmm. Uh, the serial killer in Swarm is a black woman from the South, played by Dominique Fishback. I've never seen a black woman serial killer on screen. And she's killing out of allegiance to a pop star in the show named Nija. And Nija has an uncanny resemblance to Beyonce. It's Beyonce. Yeah. It's, it's just Beyonce. <laughs> she's Beyonce. Like, it is Beyonce through and yes. through. Even with the husband, the twins, everything. The surprise it album drop, all of it. There's the elevator incident. The yeah. husband yeah. puts out an the album. sister. Similar to Jay-Z's album. Yeah. yeah. All of it. And so this show is only seven episodes, but it is a commentary on stand culture and social media. And for me, the biggest thing it's asking you as a viewer is, what do we expect to see a black woman get to do on screen? There are layers to this show and there's layers to the discourse around this show. But before we get to that, I want to just ask the two of you, how'd you like it? Saeed, you finished it last night. I finished it last night. I was planning on initially just watching a couple of episodes, enough for us to kind of, you know, have a competent conversation. Because I could tell you were fired up and ready to go. I was like, baby, this is like (laughs) Elizabeth Warren talking about student loans. I haven't seen Sam this excited about something in a minute. Um, But yeah, I, I fell all in. It's not a perfect show, but it's it's damn good. And you're right. I yeah. don't part of it is and I love that this comes into the show's own commentary. I don't love true crime. I tend not to really enjoy serial killer. Like that's this is typically not my genre. But can I read a quote from your interview with Janine Neighbors? Yes. Um yes. that I was like, oh, this is light. Maybe this is why I feel a little bit yeah. differently. Well, because I asked her, like, is this show mm-hmm. too off-putting? The violence yeah. right from the start? Is it too much right. for viewers? Right. And Janine says, it's funny because I love the HBO show Barry, and that show doesn't hold the audience's hands when it comes to violence. She continues, we're so used to seeing white men in film and TV do the craziest shit. White women, too. As Americans, we're really comfortable watching white people go crazy because they have earned it in a lot of people's minds. Um, Which is really interesting. And so it's like, we're going to get into it, but, you know, we talk about, I've talked about the representation trap mm-hmm. um, and, and how I think that is doing a number on us and it, it's not really great. This is interesting because it's it's a flip on representation, right? It's yeah. like, we deserve, and I know there's that famous tweet of like, black women deserve to get to be serial killers too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. But it, it's a flip. It's like, we deserve to see characters who are black but maybe we don't identify exactly. with it. It doesn't yeah. have to be yes. such a one-to-one well, relationship. And yeah. what I heard Janine saying in this interview, and it was so much fun. We talked for 90 minutes. The podcast into it's going to have probably 40 minutes. There's a longer wow. transcript online at Vulture. But what I heard Janine talking about and really asking for as a Black creative is freedom of movement. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to move as a creative into every space and nook and cranny the white guys get to move into. Yeah. If they can be anything on a screen, I want to be allowed to be anything on a screen, 
Even a black woman serial killer. I don't know. That's yeah. punk rock and I love it. Yeah. That ties directly back to Law Roach and why he left his job yeah. because he was feeling boxed in and yeah. not allowed to just be creatively free without all the, the chains and the expectations of making decisions and also the baggage of being given the opportunity to work with a big star and them saying, well, you owe us this. Where, you know, Janine is also saying like, I don't need to explain why my main character is going crazy, why she's killing. Why can't we just have fun in this space? And that's yeah. where the show is really fun. It does this spend a reality we've gotten really used to with seeing Black women's representation in horror, especially. And it kind of reimagines that and changes it and empowers her. But something I love so much about it is, you know, it really proves this idea I think about a lot around pop music. You know, pop music is so popular because it's the soundtrack to all of our lives as we move through the world. Mm. You know, we aren't Britney Spears, we aren't Beyonce, but when we listen to those albums, we're going through our own heartbreaks, our own job losses, our own maybe murders, who knows? <laughs> and it kind of plays around you. And that's where that you know, emotional connection is formed is that it becomes a soundtrack to your life. And for this protagonist, this music ties to her on a very guttural level right. and really moves her through the story. And and I think it was, a, it was a really dramatized version of what we all go through when we love an album. I like that, because you're right. I mean, and we kind of said this, and maybe this is the theme that's beginning to emerge so much of culture is a call and response, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's like Sam and Saeed and Zach are reading a Law Roach interview and all of a sudden we are responding to it and now we're having our own conversation. Or you're right, it's like you're going through a breakup and then Lemonade drops. Oh my yeah. gosh. And now yeah. you're listening to, you know, a song like Sorry and you're like using that song to move yourself to a different space, which can often be healthy, cathartic, mm -hmm. healing. Um, what's really fun and bold about the show, though, <laughs> is the call and response is toxic. The call and yes. response is lethal. <laughs> yes, and the call and response is like, based on some possibly true events. So besides being right? all about Beyonce, <laughs> some of the events that you see in the show were things that actually happened or were rumored to have happened. So part of the plot is a super Beyonce fan dying the night of this album release. That was actually a real thing that happened for a while. Black really? Twitter thought that a yeah. young woman had killed herself over Lemonade. That actually happened. I did not know that. And Janine Neighbors was like, that informed the show. Wow. Yeah. I will say one of the, I won't say it's like a pleasure, but it is really interesting when you finish the show or finish an episode. It is interesting to start looking up the details oh, yeah. and the news. Some yes. of it's news, some of it's internet rumors, yes. but just kind of see where all of this is coming yes. from. Even in the last episode, and I won't give it all away, the plot point of the last scene that actually happens to Beyonce the rush of the stage. I'll say that, right. leave it there. Yeah. I did, I, yeah. yeah. I also yeah, forgot that. about the who bit Beyonce thing. I was yeah. like, part of it too. didn't happen. Yes. And then I had to look yeah. at it and I was like, yes. oh, that was a well, whole thing. Yeah, and this is what I love about what I am calling the Atlanta diaspora. You know, so Janine, she has worked on Watchmen, but she really was in there with the team that made Atlanta. And this show feels like a companion piece to Atlanta because that show was all about discussing Blackness in relation to, like, events that we haven't even fully processed yet. Yeah. I remember there was an episode of Atlanta that was making a big point about Justin Bieber by having a character mm -hmm. in an episode named Justin Bieber, but he was Black. And the whole thing was asking us as viewers, would we ever have allowed Justin Bieber to get away with all that shit if he weren't white, right? Mm -hmm. And so this is a show that is like poking us on things that we're currently experiencing. Mm -hmm. 
And I feel like Swarm does the same thing. I liked how provocative this show is. Yeah. It is asking me as a viewer to question my role in stand culture, my role in fan culture. What kind of Beyonce fan am I? Mm -hmm. It is so yeah. close to home that is uncomfortable, but it keeps me thinking. I'm still asking myself questions. Well, Sam, I wanted to ask you specifically because you bring up stand culture so much. Yes. And my question is, why is it that stand culture just becomes so rife for cultural conversation and production? Mm. Because the Beatles arguably had just as crazy fans. You know, the Rolling Stones had crazy fans. Like fandom has always been around and these fans have always been acting up. But lately, when we talk about fandom, we, we were having a different conversation and it's creating shows like Swarm, yeah. which is very interesting. Yeah, it's funny. I was talking about the Haley Bieber, Selena Gomez feud, and then the Vanderpump Rules scandal. scandal. Mm -hmm. And the folks I interviewed about those two scandals, we basically came to the conclusion that like fans get to leave paper trails now on the internet. If you're a fan mm -hmm. of your favorite celebrity, you mm -hmm. can make TikToks remixing video of them. You can tweet Storm Forever and post on Instagram. And there's almost this game that fans play with each other where they leave these trails and tidbits for other folks. Mm -hmm. And like when my mother was a fan of the Beatles when she was a kid, she just bought the record. Right. Yeah. And now fandom is an immersive experience. And like now you yeah. perform fandom with a paper trail on the internet. Mm -hmm. And that makes it yeah. rife for discussion and for content. Yeah. There was one more thing I wanted to talk about because I know we want to talk about the internet of it all as well. But I felt like thinking of the call and response, particularly from the pilot, we're working hard not to spoil yes. details because yes. it's such <laughs> a are. juicy, yes. exciting ride, an odyssey, yes. really, um, that, that Dre goes on. But I felt there was a call and response between this story and The Bluest Eye by Toni Morrison. Think about everything mm, we just said yeah, in terms of like, we, yeah. get to we should get to be serial killers too. You know, Toni Morrison famously said she wrote The Blue's Eye because it was a book she wanted to read and it wasn't on the shelves. There you you know what I mean? Like a similar, and again, it's, it's a story about a black girl who's fallen through the cracks. In this case, mm -hmm. it's Pikala, who her toxic wish is she wishes for blue eyes, right? Which mm. is such a sad, tragic thing for a dark-skinned black girl to want, right? There's a quote early in the book where Pikala kind of has a moment of anger that does something to her. And Toni Morrison writes, anger is better. There is a sense of being in anger, a reality mm. and presence, an awareness of worth. It is a lovely surging. Ooh. And I was like, oh, that feels, that feels, you know, and there's a scene early on where Dre drops like a soda in a gas station store and then picks up a piece of glass and she's just kind of fixating, even as she's cutting herself, something, that, a surging, something's happening. Mm -hmm. And it was really interesting then to see how this, it's a call and response, but it's not the same story because Pikala in the Blue's Eye is kind of devoured by society, yeah. devoured by the world. And this is the story of a Black girl who becomes a devourer. Yes. <laughs> and even yes. like consumption and literal eating is like a theme. So yeah. it was just really interesting to see like where they take that idea. I and love the that. show also, you know, what was so striking to me about this protagonist is it begs the question of if you don't have love in your life, where do you put all your pain Ooh. when you go through it? Mm -hmm. And she has nowhere to put her pain. Yeah. Like no one loves her. And in her mind, this star, Beyonce, has created a love bond with her. And that's what moves her through the story is trying to get closer to her, trying to do right by her, trying to do anything in the sake of love. So you do have compassion for this character. You're like, this is the only love you have in your life. So yeah, you should kill for it, I guess. Yeah. Maybe. 
One, I want to remind everyone, and you've heard me say it already, watch this show. Please watch please this watch show. It. Please watch this and show. And please tweet us about yes. it. I, I, need, yes. I, feel like, I feel like Dre, I'm like, who do I talk to about my <laughs> yes. stand-up? Yes. You know? <laughs> but we can't leave this conversation without right. talking about the internet conversation about this show, which is very much about the internet. Um, yes. So I interviewed Janine Neighbors, the showrunner, for my show, and then I was able to spend some time with her and Dominique Fishback and Chloe Bailey at the premiere of the film at South by Southwest. And I interviewed them on stage after the premiere. And one of the things that we consistently talked about, me and all of them, was like, are you prepared for the internet response to this show? Mm. It's about internet and about Black Twitter. Black Twitter will have thoughts. Do you care? And they all kind of said, we don't, which mm. I appreciate. But I do want to ask both of you, how is the internet discourse around this show affected or not affected how you view? Because there's a lot of discourse. There's discourse about mm-hmm. Chloe Bailey having a sex scene in the show. There's discourse about dark-skinned black women and light-skinned black women and who is white passing. And even Halle Berry got roped in. There's, of she course, sure the dialogue about everyone thinking that Donald Glover, again, hates black women. It can be an overwhelming internet discourse around this show. Has it touched y'all at all? I would say when I see these tweets, because it is what led me to finally watch the show. I just saw so many on Saturday. I was like, what are you guys going through? This is a lot. And the Halle Berry thing did send me over the edge. So there's an argument around Chloe Bailey having this role, being light-skinned, and that she's white passing because she's light-skinned, which is very different. She's not passing. Like Neither you, is Halle Berry. None of it. Oh, my no, God. It, but that's yes. the thing. So then, so, the, so there's this argument that like Chloe Bailey is white passing um, and that she is like Halle Berry, that through these women having roles like this where they're hypersexualized, they are erasing opportunities for dark-skinned women. And also, these women aren't even black. And I am just... After Halle Berry just gave Michelle Yeoh that Oscar the other day, I am confused at whoever thought Halle Berry was not black. And she'll tell you she's black. She'll tell you. Yeah, like she's like, I'm black. Like, that's it. Um, so it just, that's one of the many conversations. But what I see is that people are having a very personal response to the show, which they should take to their text messages and their group <laughs> chats and not to Twitter. So that's been my note. It drove me to, to go watch it and then go talk to you guys about it. And now we're talking about it on our show. But people should, you know, really dig into why they're so triggered by the show. Question the questions you're asking online. So a lot of the mean tweets about the show that I've seen have basically been saying, Donald Glover hates black women. This is not good for black women. Black women this, black women that. And I got to say, as a person who is not a black woman, but who has interviewed four black women involved in this show, a lot of the conversation feels like it denies the agency of those black women. Janine Neighbors was a black woman in charge of the show. Dominique Fishback is a black woman who was the lead of this show and chose this role and talked to me about how hard she worked to do it. Chloe Bailey is in this thing. Malia Obama wrote for the show, you know? And so I would hope that these conversations about whether or not this is good for black people acknowledge that black folks made it. And a lot of the things that I want to gripe about, I want to just kind of say that these black women got to have their time to make their thing. Yeah, Mm -hmm. There's a... (laughs) Black proverb, everybody wants to go to heaven, nobody wants to die. (laughs) Everybody wants more representation, everyone wants more black shows, everyone wants da-da-da-da-da-da-da. And then I'm like, well, then when creatives are out here taking risks and and doing things that are really interesting and bold, 
are we really creating a welcoming environment for those risks and for those ambitious takes? Yeah. yeah. I don't know. I, I think Twitter in particular is has come a long way from the days of scandal and like where it was like a really kind of communal sense of live tweet. Or even like the BET Awards. It used to be really fun mm-hmm. to yeah. like kind of live tweet those experiences. And there was a building and an enthusiasm that made you, it would take you to the work. It would take you to the show or the movie and you would want to. And now it feels like, it's like, yeah, I haven't even watched it and it's taking me out. I'm glad I watched it anyway, though. I'm really glad I watched Swarm anyway. Let Janine Neighbors be free. Let La Roach be free. The theme of this episode, (laughs) babies, Mm -hmm. is freedom. To freedom. Also, shit, (laughs) having watched all the episodes of Swarm, y'all better leave Janine Neighbors alone. (laughs) That lady has an imagination. I don't know if you... Mm -hmm. Yes. Don't start a fight you can't finish. There you go. There you go. <laughs> All right, listeners, check out Swarm. Check out the La Roach interview. We're going to take another quick break, but don't go anywhere. We'll be right back with recommendations to keep your vibe right. Making my cat happy is my number one priority, and Fresh Step Out Stretch Litter helps me do just that. Meet Mr. Mittens. Mitty, for short. Ah! Mitty is happiest when his litter box is clean and fresh. And Fresh Step Out Stretch is amazing at absorbing waste and odor. We sure have found our common ground, haven't we? Happy cat, happy life. Ah! Find Fresh Step Out Stretch at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company. Certain trademarks used under license from the Procter & Gamble Company or its affiliates. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we are back. And before we end the show, we like to do our favorite thing, which is to share something that's keeping our vibes right or throwing us off this week. And to get us going, I want to throw it to Sai Jones to hear about this book you mentioned earlier in the show that you're really vibing with. Yeah, my recommendation this week is The Hero of This Book by Elizabeth McCracken. It is a novel that might be a memoir. Her mother passed away a few years ago, and Elizabeth McCracken, in the book, goes on a trip to London, I think, to kind of reflect. But there's a delight in the way the character in the book is uncertain if she wants to write a memoir. Is she writing a memoir? Is she writing a novel? And the freedom that you are given when you decide to fictionalize your story as opposed to say, and it's just, I don't know. There's, a, I know, obviously grief and all of these themes and family, sure, sure, sure. But there's a, a lightness to it. I can't, exp- mm. it's one of those books you just have to read it. Um, mm. But again, this is a great book to get a glass of wine and, you know, sit at a bar. I just wanted to read one little thing. Yeah. Yes, I said, alas, And then she follows, alas, was one of those things I said too often, a way of saying no while presenting myself as helpless. Ooh, wow. She has um, a real gift for sentences. And I just love, again, like to me, there's something about finding a lovely hotel bar. Maybe you get a glass of wine, you have a pen in your book. And the kind of book that has those lines, those moments mm-hmm. that you want to underline. And that's where you just kind of, the world falls away. And I just, yeah. I just, I'm really. 
really enjoying this experience. I love that. Yeah. I love it. I love but also it. a way to say no while presenting myself as helpless. I was like, oh shit, Damn. I do do that. <laughs> T-T-T. I'm like, oh gee, I guess I just don't know. I can't mm-hmm. do that. <laughs> Uh, all right. Well, Sam, what are you vibing with? Or what's not? Is it water? Is water really hurting you today? Come on, this Avatar, the last me. waterbender over Listen, there. Come on, I now. am. Come on, Legend of Korra. I'm about to go to Home Depot, get some plywood, and start building the ark. Okay. The ark. Okay. I almost said Moses. Is it Moses? Noah. The ark? Noah. Noah, thank you. Damn, I it forgot. was Noah. I, it was Noah. For a second, I was Moses like, part yeah, of the sea. Totally Although Moses no, dealt with water, water, too. Really into the water in the Old Testament. Oh my God, wait, was Moses a waterbender? I'm sorry, I've been watching a lot of Avatar. You have I love that you were there and I was like, was Moses into water sports? Which is why I'm watching. Wait a minute. Was Moses one of the Avatars? I mean, we had the burning bush. He parted the Red Sea. Moses was out here. Anywho, anywho, my recommendation, I think I've mentioned before that I've started watching The Real Housewives of Potomac. It's consumed Mm. my life. I'm almost done with season three now. And I just— How many seasons are there? Six or seven. Seven, Oh, wow. Yeah. Did that just—I felt like it just started a couple years ago. Wow. It's my recommendation. It's it's the perfect chaos to have on in the background. I kind of fall asleep to it some nights now. Mm-hmm. It's so good. That's an interesting show to fall asleep to. I know. That's a lot of chaos to sleep with. <laughs> to, to just tell listeners how messy this show is, two of the lighter-skinned black women in the show call themselves the Green-Eyed Bandits. Yeah. <laughs> Not that. Yeah. They what? go around starting yeah. mess with the other women. What is women. going on? And then I just watched an episode Damn. where I think it's Ashley, this young, beautiful, light-skinned black woman who's married to a mm-hmm. much older, sketchy Australian dude. Well, not anymore. But but, yes, yeah. not anymore. But in this part of the show, <laughs> bloop, bloop. to prove her allegiance to him, we see the scene in which she promises to re-sign the prenup to have the prenup go from three uh-huh. years to five years to prove okay. that she's in it for the right reasons. It's wild. Let me just tell you this. If you were interested in what we're talking about, screw seasons one through six. Go to seven, start there. Really? You'll catch up really fast. Okay. And this last season is pure insanity. Pure, <laughs> like Ashley does even more crazy stuff to prove her worth to this man that she's now divorcing. Wow. You know, there's a lot of affairs that are happening. It's just, it's a lot. That said, anyone listening, right. if you're into the housewives, hit us up. Let me know how you experience. No, no, no. Hit Sam because <laughs> I'll be like, yeah, let us know. I don't know what. Like, if someone told me, like, say, what are your thoughts on the green eyed bandits? I'd be like, what are your thoughts on sanity? What are you talking about? <laughs> what are your thoughts on sanity? Oh my goodness! Oh my All God. right. All right. Well, to to end this segment, I'll share what I've been watching yes. and I'm fully caught up on. Yes. Um, which is Daisy and the Six, which is also on Amazon Prime, like Swarm. Mm. So if you finish Swarm this week and you want to watch another show about a famous fictionalized music group, watch this show. It is uh, very loosely but very accurately based on Fleetwood Mac, you know, the very oh. famous rock group. Okay, and it's Steve about the, the band dynamics. And there's a lot of drama. Oh. If you listen to that music, you know those songs are based on the love affairs within mm-hmm. the group. Mm-hmm. Um, but the show's really wonderful. It stars Riley Keough, who is the, oh, she's she's the granddaughter. She's the she's she's legit. She was in yeah. Zola. I'm sorry. She grown. Yeah, she, she's grown. <laughs> she was in Zola. She's also the granddaughter of Elvis. And it's just really wonderful. And what makes it interesting, I mean, the show's not perfect. It's not 
not the best written show. It's just really fun to watch. But the music is all original. Hmm. It was created by Blake Mills. He got Phoebe Bridgers to help him oh. and a bunch of other people. And the songs are actually quite good. And they're so good that they are the first album, the album released with the show is called Aurora. It's the first album to crack the top 10 on iTunes by a wow. fictional group. Wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. Good for yeah. them. Oh, that's interesting because Swarm, for Nyjah, they've released like a little EP. They released like six album. songs. And those songs are pretty good. They're catchy. Those songs are pretty good. I mean, that's, so they did something similar larger... with Daisy. Okay. Yeah, so Amazon Prime is really beefing up oh. Amazon Music. I'll connect some dots here. Beyonce's little private party she's been throwing, the Renaissance Balls or whatever. When I went to one, the sponsor for that was Amazon Music. Huh. And Amazon Prime did Swarm and they're doing Daisy in the Six. So okay. there's something happening there's in the a model, Amazon business model. Okay. Connecting. All okay. There. But I love very it. Very good. Check it out. Okay. All right, listeners, what are you feeling or not feeling this week? What's your vibe? Check in with us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. All right. Well, that's our show. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of Vibe Check. If you love the show and want to support us, please make sure to follow the show on your favorite podcast listening platform and tell a friend, tell an auntie, tell someone on Twitter that you've been trolling. A huge thank you to our long-suffering producer, Chantel Holder. <laughs> Chantel has to put up with a lot of chaos from the three of us. Chantel got a rap holder. <laughs> Chantel got to move on, baby. Got to move on. <laughs> Engineer Brendan Burns and Marcus Holm for our theme music and sound design. Special thank you to our executive producers, Nora Ritchie at Stitcher and Brendan Sharp from Agenda Management and Production. Listeners, we want to hear from you. Don't forget, you can email us at vibecheck at stitcher.com. Tell us your thoughts on Swarm, the Potomac Housewives, and share any good LA contractor recommendations. Um, <laughs> keep in touch <laughs> with us on Instagram at, at Sam Sanders, at Zach Staff, and at The Ferocity. Use the hashtag vibecheckpod. As we reach the end of these credits, y'all, the rain has stopped and the sun has come out. Oh, look and at what that. What a blessing. What a blessing. Look at that. The season parted. You yes. deserve. And we deserve. Because I can tell it was wearing you it out. It was wearing me down. And I feel lighter. I feel happier. <laughs> <All right. laughs> well, till next time, y'all. Stay dry. Stay safe. Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Stitcher. Vacations are always good. Sometimes they're even great. And Celebrity Cruises is about to ruin all of that. Because once you explore with us, you'll never want a vacation any other way. And with new Quick Caribbean Escapes, you'll never want a weekend any other way either. Celebrity Cruises. Nothing comes close. Visit Celebrity.com, call 1-800-CELEBRITY, or contact your travel advisor. Ships Registry, Malta and Ecuador. My cat Rachel is the silliest cat I know. One time, she played inside a paper bag for three hours. What a mystery. But I'm glad her health isn't. Thanks to the color-changing litter from Fresh Step Crystal's health monitoring litter. This premium color-changing litter has pH-activated crystals that can help me detect potential illness early. That makes it easy for me to stay on top of her health and well-being. I may not understand all of Rachel's silly quirks, but I can keep up with the important things. Find Fresh Step Crystals Health Monitoring Litter at a store near you. Fresh Step is a registered trademark of the Clorox Pet Products Company.